Father's Day to all the daddies out there. And uh, those of you who aren't daddies or never were able to be a daddy, uh, don't, don't forget, God has a great work and plan for you. But one of the great plans that God had made from the very beginning before sin even entered into the world uh, was for daddies to be daddies. And uh, I praise the Lord for my dad. We do live in an age where dads and moms, but sadly for at least two generations now, where in our society dads really don't care. They don't care how their children grow up. They don't care how their sons grow up. Uh, they don't care what happens to their daughters. And uh, this, of course, is not a good thing. Um, but I also would tell you this. Uh, daddies, we live in a great age because those that do care are going to show such a distinct difference um, from those that don't. And as we pray, we'll have opportunity to point the fatherless to the Father. Amen? Amen? We'll be able to point the fatherless to the Father by being like a father to them. And uh, may God help us. We have many um, orphans to minister to or fatherless sons and daughters. And uh, may God help us as the church to be ready to serve the Lord and lead these children to Him. And... Uh, and fathers, I plead with you to care. I plead with you to care. Be burdened for your sons and daughters. Uh, be burdened with a great desire to see them grow in their knowledge and love for the Lord Jesus Christ. Be burdened for their spirit towards you and towards God. Uh, be burdened so much that you cry out to God who in so many instances is the only one that can do anything. And uh, you know that I've given counsel. And uh, whether or not you... No matter how you discipline your children, um, there are going to be times where no amount of discipline works. <laughs> no amount of discipline works. In fact, you can get to the point where any more discipline would be worse than doing any... Uh, to, than, than doing discipline. And in those times... God is able to come. And uh, we ought to obey God and trust God in what we do um, and how we parent. And uh, I believe the Scripture teaches us to uh, discipline our children, to drive the Spirit, uh, the Spiritedness out of them. In other words, uh, the Spirit of, of disobedience and an unwillingness to follow after those that are in authority over them. This is antithetical to today's culture. By the way, young people, if you want to be real rebels, obey. Um, because today we've gotten to the place where rebels are doing the, are the ones who are in the majority. And you could show yourself far different than everyone else by simply learning to obey. And uh, I tell you what, if you, if you did that, uh, you got your first job and they told you to go clean the toilets and you said, yes, sir, yes, ma'am, I'll go clean the toilets. It's going to be amazing. They're going to be like, what? What in the world? There's something wrong with that kid. And uh, eventually they're going to say, I'm so glad that you work under me. And uh, you'll, you'll show a distinct difference. You really will. Um, by simply being willing to and, be, and saying yes and doing your best job. Um, doing your best job. 
And uh, if you do your best job when you're young at cleaning toilets, uh, you'll find yourself doing uh, many different things. And uh, so I'd, I'd plead with you young people, uh, learn these things. When mom and dad uh, tell you to go sweep the floor, uh, go be willing to go sweep the floor and do your very best job. And uh, when your daddy says, you know, you missed some spots under the table, don't get mad at him. He's just trying to teach you how to do your very best job. I remember when my dad was first teaching me how to sweep. This was in Louisiana. Um, and I remember we had uh, that those uh, that rug that's like rope that just goes like this in a circle. You know what I'm talking about? You don't see too many of those anymore. Uh, but that's what my mom and dad had. And I tell you what, that thing was impossible to sweep. But my dad would tell me, he'd say, you know, you missed, you missed this spot over here. And, and I'd had to learn to go and sweep that spot off the rug. And uh, I'm glad that my dad did that. Um, I'm glad that my dad was willing to teach me how to do my very best job and not to, to slack and to, to leave certain things undone. And uh, I praise the Lord for my dad. And uh, my dad didn't come to know the Lord um, until, uh, until he was on his deathbed. Um, but I praise the Lord that my dad loved me enough to care um, about these things and care about the way I grew up. And um, daddies, you have a great opportunity uh, simply by caring enough to speak and to work and to pray for your children. I've been these special days are not often easy for me. Um, I remember at Christmas saying, you know, I think I may just Chris, preach a Christmas message on Christmas and be done with it. And the Mother's Day messages are not always easy. And Father's Day messages are not always easy um, for me to try. I know the, the, the Scripture is filled with things and uh, it shouldn't be all that difficult. But for whatever reason it is, so you pray for me. And yesterday we were at the, the, uh, the cookout with the folks uh, that had been... Um, working with CEF and one of the men there is a pastor. Uh, he pastored previously when he was younger. He's an older man now, uh, probably getting close to 70 years old. And, and uh, he said, well, what are you going to be preaching on Father's Day? And I gave him some of the things. And, and he said, I, I just love those special days. And I'm thinking to myself, mm, I, <laughs> I love those special days. And he said, you know, I've been thinking about something. And uh, he asked me a couple questions. I'm going to ask you. And uh, first I'm going to ask the ladies a question. And then I'm going to ask the guys a question. Alright, so you ready? Moms, ladies. Who are some ladies in the Bible that you've looked to in the past or uh, as you've studied uh, when it comes to being a mom? Who are some of the ladies that you thought about? And you said, you know what? I like that about that lady. That really helps me out as a mom. Who are some of the ladies that you can think of? Mary. Mary. Absolutely. Uh, Mary, she no doubt was a wonderful mother. And you can read the prayer of Mary. Hannah. Absolutely. First Samuel. Uh, you can read about Hannah and, and her, her love uh, for Samuel. Great mom. Great mom in the Scripture. Uh, some others that you can think of in the Bible. There's a few out there, right? Heather? Ruth. Absolutely. Ruth and, and, and looking at her and how she was a mother, even to someone who wasn't really her daughter or daughter-in-law. That's an amazing thing, isn't it? 
being a mother to your mother-in-law. I mean, to your daughter-in-law. Um, that's something else. Ruth. And uh, there, there are many different ladies that you can look to in the Scripture. Alright, guys. You know the question already. What are some of the guys you look to in the Bible? To be a father. To say, I want to be a father like that guy. Abraham. Now, he was a father that we can look to. Um, he was a father that we can look to. Uh, he was. A, the, the Bible says that here is a man who will make sure that his children love me. That's an amazing thing. Noah? Eh. Boys in the boat? Eh. There was that, that episode afterwards where he got all drunk and stuff. How about David? We go to David as a father? Not David. Joseph, maybe. There's not a whole lot in the Scripture about Joseph being a father. Um, we don't see too much about that. Um, but I would assume he was a good father. I would assume that. Definitely. But it's, it's, the point is, it's, is it a little harder to find fathers in the Scripture that you really say, boy, that, that guy right there, he, 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 I really want to be like him. Right? It, it is a little more difficult. Ed? Job. Yeah, there, yes, that's, that, there's no doubt about that. Job is definitely true. Um, but one of the reasons why it's difficult is because a lot of the guys in the Scripture who we look up to and say, boy, that was a man of God, were pretty poor fathers, right? David. I tell you what, you marry more than one woman, it's going to be hard to be a good father. <laughs> and he married a bunch. Solomon married even more. He can't look to him as a good father, even though the Proverbs speaks so much about uh, being a, a son who obeys his father. But it's, it's not quite as easy. And yet the Scripture tells us in Ephesians chapter 6, children, obey your fathers. Um, fathers. And he says it specifically to fathers. Fathers, raise your children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And so... Is it hopeless for us? Is it, is it hopeless? Do we have just so very little chance to be godly fathers? Well, no. Um, because we have an example in the Scripture that is above every other example, don't we? <laughs> we have an example in the Scripture that's above every other example. And that is the example of God the Father and God the Son. Amen? We have the, 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 the example of God the Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. And so take your Bibles and turn with me to Philippians chapter 2. We have the example of God the Father and God the Son and what it is to have this relationship. God is God, isn't He? And when He named the relationship of the Trinity, He could have done anything He wanted to, couldn't He? He could have called it anything He wanted to. Um, and yet, we see in the Scripture the most precious relationship uh, between God the Father and God the Son. Now, before we go any further, I want to be very clear that when we talk about God the Father, we are talking about God. When we're talking about God the Son, we are talking about God, the infinite Creator who has always been, always will be, who is all-powerful, um, who is above every other name, right? We're not talking about big God, little God. We're talking about God, 
three in one. And of course, who's the third part of the Trinity? God, the Holy Spirit, right? And when we talk about God, we are talking about these three in one. Um, when we're talking about them, we're talking about the creator of everything that is. There is not many universes in which each universe has a God called the multiverse. There's some false religions that teach this. They even go so far as to say if you're good enough, you can even be one of the gods of one of those universes. That's ridiculous. I tell you what, you can't be good enough to be anything. You have to turn to the Lord Jesus Christ who is the God of all things and died on the cross for your sin. And then you have the greatest thing, a relationship with the only God. And you can and will go to heaven based upon what He has done for you. Amen? Amen. And so if you look there in Philippians chapter 2, Paul points... So the relationship of God the Son and God the Father is our example. May God help us this morning. Because we have the greatest example of what it means to be a father and we have the greatest example of what it means to be a son. Philippians chapter 2, If there be therefore any consolation in Christ if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies fulfill you my joy that you might be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in loneliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in... Christ Jesus, who being in the form of a man, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that in the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and of things in earth and of things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. May God help us as we look into this passage. Father, would you fill us and help us to draw near in such a way that we leave this place and closer in our relationship with You, more able to trust You, for You are good in every way. And uh, Father, see, I pray that You would have Your hand upon our sons and upon our daughters, and that they would trust You. <clears throat> Father, I know that when it comes to decision making, I am not all trustworthy, but You are. And so I pray that my children would trust You through me. And that You do the same for the daddies of our church, the grandfathers of our church too. And those who are like fathers to others. So please do these things. 
We pray in the Lord Jesus Christ's name. Amen. I don't want to get into verse 1 and 2 for very long, but let me ask you this. Does Paul seem to think that this is important or not important based on the first two verses? Does, does, does uh, what he has to say here about Jesus, does it seem important or not important? It seems pretty important, right? I mean, come on. If there be any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, if there's just a little bit of these things, would you fulfill my joy by remembering Christ and letting them, your mind be like the mind of Christ? He says in verse 3, Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory. <laughs> Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory. You know, in our homes, daddies, you know it as best as as much as us, uh, as much as me, that in our homes there are going to be times where there is a battle for superiority in the home with your sons and your daughters. Right? Every time you ask your son or daughter to do something and they say no, there's a battle, isn't there? There's a battle, and why is there a battle? Within the home. There shouldn't be. But why is there? And this is true in every home. I don't care. It doesn't really matter ultimately how godly of a family you have. There will at points be a struggle for power. Not because there should be. Daddy, God has given you particularly the responsibility of authority in your home. Hasn't He? He's given you the burden of authority in your home. And this is often the way God describes authority. Um, He doesn't describe it as something that is to be attained to because authority brings responsibility. But in your home, God has given you that authority and responsibility. Let me ask you, daddies, have your children ever wanted it? No? Just in mine? You guys with me? Have your children ever wanted your authority? And said, no, dad. I do what I want. I don't do what you want. I do what I want. Why is that? Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. The truth is, is our children at times are going to want the glory. At times our children will fight because they want the glory. They want what they want and they don't care what you do. And... This is this will cause struggle within the home. This causes struggle within the church, but it certainly causes struggle within the home, doesn't it? And every family goes through these things. And uh, those of you that have children in your wombs right now, and daddies who are biting your nails off. By the way, I don't have many nails left. They, that right down to the nub. Um, as I think about having my fifth child, you can be sure that that next child is going to at some point fight you in your authority. Mom, they're going to fight you in your authority. And there have been times where I've come home and my wife, with exasperation, would say, will you deal with your children? (laughs) Will you deal with your children? Will you take care of these things? Your children will not listen to me. And uh, there have been many times where I did not want to deal with my children. But as daddy, I have the responsibility. You know what my children should be doing 
When my, my wife tells them to do something, I don't know if it's like this in your home, but it's funny how peaceful things are until you say, all right, now it's time to clean up the living room, right? My kids can fight. One of the things that I will give the greatest praise for is when we say it's time to clean up and the kids go about doing it. And we've had that happen. I do praise the Lord for my kids. They are a blessing to us and they are a big help to us as they grow. But our family is just like every family. And I'm not trying to get hard on my kids. They're, they're kids just like you have kids. And uh, there's a struggle and there's strife. And the vain glory of it is, Daddy, I want to play video games. I don't want to clean. <laughs> right? Daddy, I want to ride my bike. I don't want to clean. And, uh, you know, there are times where my children can come up and say, you know, Dad, can I finish the game? Or, Dad, can I play a little longer outside? Or, or Dad, can I finish this? And there's nothing wrong with saying, you sure can. But when it's done, we're going to all work together and get some things done. We need to clean. Right? And that's true. Every house, if, if you got any kids, it gets a mess. Right? Clutter everywhere. And, uh, and, and there's nothing wrong with your children saying, Daddy, is it okay? Um, where it, what is wrong is when children fight to say, Daddy, I know you said we're going to do it now, but I don't want to. And so I'm going to fight you and then I'm going to fight my brother and then I'm going to fight my sisters. And, and uh, then I'm going to go back to fighting you. And then, Dad, you're going to probably uh, pull your hair out. And uh, then finally you're going to do it yourself, right? This happens in homes. But this is not the relationship that Jesus had with His Father, is it? This is not the relationship that Jesus had with His Father. And we might say, well, He's God. And that's true. Jesus is not a sinner like we are. He was tempted in all ways as we are, yet without sin. And so every home is going to have this strife, but we should deal with it. We should deal with it with the Scripture, with humility, and with a desire for God's glory. And what is it going to take but in lowliness of mind? And so, in lowliness of mind, Daddy, there's going to be times where you are going to have to humble yourself before your children and get down on their level. Yes, Daddy. You have been working all day long and you came home and the toys were all over the floor. And the honest truth is, is how many of those toys should you be responsible for picking up? How many of them? How many did you put on the floor? None. But you know what, Daddy? Sometimes you're going to have to get down on your knees and say, come on, kiddos. Let's pick this up. Right? There have been times where I've taken my children's hands and I said, okay, I'm going to take you and I'm going to pick this up. Rather than sitting down in the, in the lazy boy and, and uh, turning the TV on and saying, well, it's a mess, who cares? I'll yell at the kids later. We have to get down on their level and humble ourselves, right? Um, for their own good. For their own good. Um, not flipping out and screaming and yelling. I never do that, by the way. Right, Riley? Dad never flips out. Never. 
But uh, to be able to, to say, you know what? The Lord Jesus Christ is God. And He humbled Himself to come to this earth for me. Right? But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other as better than themselves. Daddy, when you do this for your children, you're saying, children, you're more important than me. Now, children, I want to ask you this. Kiddos, should you not treat your daddy as more important than you? If he's willing to treat you as more important than them? It's sad when children take advantage of their daddies. And daddies, you need to not let them take advantage of you. Right? But children, ought you not treat your daddies as more important than you? Right? Ought you not do that? How can you treat your daddy as more important than you? Well, if you know your daddy's coming home after maybe walking for seven miles or lifting up 3,000 pounds worth of batteries and you know he's coming home and you say, you know what, my dad's important to me and, and I don't want him to have to get down on his knees and clean the clean up. I want him to be able to do that. And you do that for your mommies too, right? Uh, we, we live in we, our society as it's always been. Moms work hard, don't they? But it's fatherhood. And so, kiddos... Think of your dads and say, you know what? What's my dad going through? What can I do to be a help? Right? And if you don't do that, then when your daddy comes home and says, it's time to clean the living room or it's time to clean uh, the, the bedroom, don't fight them. Think of them. Right? Think of them. And esteem them as more important than yourselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And so the whole reasoning for Paul's exhortation for these things to be done within the church, within every type of relationship, has comes down to Jesus Christ. Because... Did Jesus Christ esteem others as more important than Himself? Am I more important than Jesus? No! Right? Are you more important than Jesus? No way! Did He esteem me more important than Him? He sure did. Did He esteem you more important than Him? He sure did. You know, I'm glad that Jesus isn't like me. When I flip out, it makes a mess of things things don't get done and uh, it doesn't help my relationship with my children it's amazing that Jesus hasn't flipped out (laughs) what would happen if he did I'm glad he doesn't he's very much in control of himself daddies by the way pray and ask God to give you control over yourself right There's nothing wrong with being angry if you're angry for the right reasons at the right time and you don't sin because you're angry. The Scripture says, be angry and sin not. But we know, daddies, that we've gotten angry and it wasn't the right time, it wasn't for the right reason, it wasn't for the glory of God. It wasn't. Ask God to help you to control yourself, right? And God has helped me in these things over the years. 
Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. What does that verse mean? It means Jesus Christ is God. (laughs) And He declared Himself to be God throughout the New Testament. Here's the doctrine of the day. Jesus Christ is God and He declared Himself God throughout the New Testament. He never said that He was not God. He showed Himself to be God over and over and over again. I was reading in the book of Luke this morning. And here comes Jesus and He tells a man to take up his bed and walk. He says, because your sins are forgiven you. And they started freaking out. Who is this God saying that He can forgive sins? Only God can forgive sins. And He said, you know what? Let me show you so that you know that the Son of Man has the right and responsibility and ability and every reason to be able to forgive sins. He said, man, take up your bed and walk. And what did that guy do? He took up his bed and walked. I want to tell you. Jesus forgives sins. Therefore, He is God. Right? He is God. And yet, this passage reminds us that God made Himself look like He wasn't God by becoming a man. Right? Why did people not think that Jesus was God? Because He humbled Himself to the point where He didn't seem to be like God in so many ways. Because he, they could take Him and nail Him to a cross. Because they could yell and scream at Him and He didn't do anything about it most of the time. When He wanted to go through the Samaria and the Samaritans said, No way are you going through here. His disciples said, Lord, just tell us. We'll bring down fire. Right? Who is God? The disciples are Him. It's like, I don't need you to bring fire down to the Samaritans. I could do it if I want to. He said, you do not know what spirit you are of. You are of the spirit of the devil. (laughs) Right? And so, when it says, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, Jesus knew He was God. And He was not robbing God by forgiving sins. He was not robbing God by, by healing people and raising people from the dead. He was not robbing God by raising Himself from the dead. And by the way, Jesus rose Himself from the dead. He said, kill this body and in three days I shall raise it up. Now every other person who is ever raised from the dead, God did it. Jesus rose Himself from the dead because He is God. <laughs> Only God can raise Himself from the dead. If I were to die right now, three days from now, apart from a miracle from God, I'm going to be dead. Right? I tell you, I will not declare to you, one day I'm going to die and I'm going to raise myself up. One of the most ridiculous things to think that people think is that Jesus was not who He said He was. And yet he made the most ridiculous statements over and over and over again by saying, if I die, I'm going to raise myself up. Now, why is that statement ridiculous? Because if you were not capable of doing it, it would not be hard to prove that you're an idiot and a false prophet. Because if you died three days later, you would still be dead. But Jesus said it anyway, didn't he? He said it over and over and over again. 
I'm going to die, but three days later I'm going to come back from the life. I'm going to come back from the dead. In fact, so many people knew it that the religious leaders said, he said he's going to raise up from the dead. We need to put a guard up there because they're going to try to steal the body. And despite the guards, despite the seal of Caesar himself, the tomb was empty on the third day. Right? Jesus did not have to say he was going to die and raise from the dead. But he was ridiculous enough to say it. But it wasn't ridiculous when he rose up. Right? It showed that there's God. Jesus is God. And He did not steal from God by rising from the dead because He is God. But verse 7, He made Himself of no reputation and took upon Him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in the fashion of man, He humbled Himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore, God also highly exalted Him, God the Father. Now, I want you to look at this relationship. Who is Jesus? Jesus is God. What did He do? He humbled Himself. But ultimately, His humility was not to us. He humbled Himself in relationship with the Father. And He became obedient to Him. You notice that? What did Jesus do? He became obedient to God the Father. How far was He willing to obey? Even to death. Right? By the way, in His humanity, did Jesus struggle with death? Well, all indication says yes. Because in the Garden of Gethsemane, as He was praying and the the drops of blood came down, there's different interpretations on why all this happened, but He did pray, if this cup can go from Me, would you take it? But, not... My will, but thine be done. Right? He became obedient even unto death. Why? He had full trust in his father. You hear that, daddies? He had full trust in his father. Of course he did. God the Father is God. He's always right. But I want to ask you this. Should our children... Trust us. What should they trust? What should they trust when it comes to our decisions for them? Should they trust that our decisions are good? Should they trust that our decisions are right? Daddies, as I'm saying this, you should begin to feel a heavy burden. Because we are, God is placing us in this passage in a position that's like God the Father with God the Son. And I want to ask you something. Are you trustworthy like God the Father? I'll give you the answer. N-O. Turn to Hebrews chapter 12. You don't have to turn there, but I want you to, later on you go there. And the scripture tells us that God the Father chastises just like our fathers, but we give reverence to our fathers, even though they chastise us for their own good reasons. Not for our sake, but for their sake. In other words, daddies, do we ever discipline our children, not for their good, but for ours? Right? My daughter, Avery, she's 
Is she three? She's three now, right? Don't laugh at me. I'm a daddy. This is what happens. Don't ask me your birthday. That would be a terrible, terrible question. She's at that stage where she asks why about everything. I mean everything. Daddy, why are you wearing a tie? Why is your tie gray? Daddy, why do you wear shoes? And there are times I just want to say, can you just go somewhere else, right? And if I ever did that, would it be for her sake or would it be for mine? It'd be for mine, right? It wouldn't be for her. It'd be for me. And Dad, in all honesty, we've all been there in that type of situation. Can't you just leave me alone? I just want to chill for a few minutes. The amazing thing is, is that God is not like that. Right? And so the point is, is that God is fully trustworthy. Sons, daughters, are your daddies fully trustworthy? No, but what has God called you to do? To trust your moms and your dads. To trust your dads, in in particular on this day, to believe that they have your best interest in mind. Mom and dad say, I want you to save some of your money, but you don't want to. I want you to know mom and dad have your best interests in mind. <laughs> they say, you know, every once in a while, you ought to take a bath during the summer, son. They have your best interest in mind. Right? When they say, you know what? I appreciate the fact that you, you cleaned up, but you did miss some things. They have your best interest in mind. When your dad says, I'd like you to read your Bible this morning, and all you want to do is play Fortnite, they have your best interest in mind. They do. Can you, can you say that daddy's always had your best interest in mind? No, but I promise you this. The dads in this room, in the decisions they make for you, they have their best interest in mind. They have your best interest in mind. And it's not always right. But here is why you trust your dad. It is not because your dad is 100% trustworthy. It is because your father in heaven is 100% trustworthy. And he gave you your dad. You with me? And so ultimately you trust your dad because you trust him. And even when your dad makes a mistake, God doesn't make any mistakes. And so he's going to be, he's able to take the mistakes of your dad and cause them to be good for you sometime later. And there have been there have been young men and young women that I've that I've worked with, and they could give you a story that would cause you to break out in tears of who their dad was. He was a bad man. <laughs> and by the way, we cannot say. That all daddies are good. (laughs) If anything, we say all daddies are bad. But some do have the wisdom of God to give. Some daddies are not. Their sin has overtaken them. And they have caused great harm. And yet, God the Father makes no mistakes. And I have seen young men and young women grow to be so vastly different than their fathers. 
in the way they parent their children because God was a father to them in a way that they never could. Daddies, don't be one of those. Raise your children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And being found in the fashion of a man, verse 8, he humbled himself and became obedient to the death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. Now this is speaking about Jesus. And Jesus' name is exalted above every other name. But I want you to know what the book of Proverbs tells us. Sons, daughters, if you are willing to put your trust in your dad because you trust your father in heaven, your life will be better than if, than if you took your life in your own hands. In other words, your life will be exalted higher in your trust of God the Father through God your, your earthly father by your trust in Him, by your honor and obedience to Him and your mom. In fact, the first commandment of man's relationship with man has to do with the relationship in the home. Children, obey your parents, for this is right. And this is the first command with promise. And the promise is this. If you honor your father and your mother, so your life will be long on the earth. In other words, your life will be exalted above what it would be. Not exalted to pride, but exalted in influence in the world. Fathers, I want my children to grow up not to be influences for evil, but influences for Christ. And children, as you learn to trust your Father by trusting your Heavenly Father, your influence in this world will grow and grow and grow and grow. To where you're, you're glorifying God Himself will be far higher than it ever could if you said, I'm not, I'm not listening to my dad. I don't like him. He doesn't know what he's doing. He, all this stuff that he wants me to do. Oh, he wants me to do devotions. Oh, he wants me to go to church. Blah. I'm telling you, you are bringing your life down rather than up. You with me? I'm telling you, it's the truth. Proverb, the book of Proverbs tells us that as sons and daughters obey as they take the wisdom of their father and they apply it to their own life, it helps them. And so may God help us. May God help us to pray for the young people in our church. It's not easy to, to be obedient to dad, is it? It's not easy. I'm not saying it's easy. I am saying it's right and good. And I promise you that's true. Amen? Kiddos, Amen? Amen. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Children, maybe there is an instance this week where you look back and you say, boy, Pastor, just lay it into me. I don't know what happened in your home this week. <laughs> I know what's happened in mine. And I know we have a good, gracious, loving God who shapes us and forms us and is working in us. He does know we're not perfect. But He does want us to bring us to being more and more like Jesus. Do you know that? Kiddos, 
He wants you to be more and more like Jesus. He does. And He wants to work in you and help you. In quietness of the moment, kiddos, children, would you go to God and speak to Him? And maybe maybe you ask Him for help. Maybe you ask Him to, to forgive you because you did something you know you shouldn't have done this week. He's quick to forgive. He's also quick to help. He's gracious. Fathers, would you do the same thing? In quietness of the moment. And everyone else, this is applicable to every single one of us. Not just daddies. But in the quietness of the moment, as God has spoken to you about His will, would you agree with Him? Would you pray to Him and ask Him for help? And any other thing that He leads you to ask for.